Islanders win this draw. That's the shot stuffed away at Tatar. Moves it down the wing, overskated that puck, sends it across, Rantanen shoots and scores! Miko Rantanen puts the abs right back on top, it's the Moose! That sound you hear is the one Miko Rantanen scoring again last night, courtesy of our friends at Altitude. Rantanen now with 12 points on the season, fourth in the NHL in scoring as the Avs get it done last night on the road, beating the Islanders 7-4 to in a game that didn't look like it was going to be 7-4 to for the most part. Joining me now to talk about it is the CEO of My Life Sports, the host of the Fate 5 podcast, and of course, you bet tonight, our own Nate Lundy. Howdy. Follow him on social at Nate Lundy. Uh, we, we watched this game last night. We were talking about it uh, as it was going on, and it, it seemed like the Az were... A little slow going at the beginning, but it also felt like they were just eventually going to grind the back. They got it back in the, in the after the second period, and then uh, then things got crazy. Yeah, they re- they really kind of did, and you know, I guess I'm not really surprised. I I feel like a lot of times, Sean, this team, this Avs team, um, I I feel like we've seen multiple games, certainly last year, certainly the Stanley Cup year, where they scored in bunches. Right where, you know, it, it's a goal and then, you know, less than four minutes on the game clock later, they're scoring again. Um, I feel like we saw a lot of that out of this team. It, it's almost like there's a little bit of an energy or there is a recognition from this team. And I think smartly so. There's a recognition from this team that um, they can kind of get that, oh, crap, uh, mentality of their opponent, right? Where they can have an opponent that goes, oh, here comes the avalanche. Yes. And I think that sometimes they know that. Um, and if they don't know it, maybe it's something that Bednar has has coached them or talked to them about to be able to say, hey, look, if, if you kick them once, try to kick them again. Yeah, keep kicking. Right? Keep kicking. Right. Um, and in particular, if you have a goaltender who might – um, get a little nervous. Now, I don't think Sorokin is that type of goaltender. I think he's one of the better goaltenders in the league. Um, but there are some younger netminders in the NHL that I think the Avalanche have the ability to um, sort of uh, maybe take advantage of a mental lapse. Yeah, they could spook them. Absolutely. Get them nervous. Yeah, and I, I think you could do that early and often by raining. What we've seen the Avs do this year, I think for the most part, is just raining a bunch of shots. Even if they're not yes. uh, the super high-quality shots, just yes. keep them coming and, and let those guys in that feel that, oh, this is what I'm up for all night long. Well, because even that, even the game against the Sharks, right, that was just insane. Um, oh, yeah. where, where Blackwood just, where, where Black uh, was just standing, absolutely standing on his head um, against one of the best offensive teams in the league. Um even that was shot after shot after shot after shot after shot after shot. And then finally, Kale broke through. But you're, you, you have that opportunity. So going all the way back to, to you know, how we started the conversation and talking about the Islanders game last night, as you and I were watching that um, together, we had to go find, by the way, sidebar, Sean and I had to go find a place because we thought, okay, wait a minute. There's a game seven. Yep. There's, Baseball, right? there's a banner going up, the Nuggets' first game of the year yes. against the Lakers. And then there's the Avs game all going on at the same time. Now, I would love to think that I have the technical prowess to be able to uh, try to watch as much of that as possible in my own home. 
Uh, but no, I don't. I, I don't. I, I don't have that skill set. I but really then don't. You also have to go get your own drinks and food and stuff. Yeah, it's just it was a lot more fun to just sit. So so you know, Sean and I went and camped out <laughs> at the at the Buffalo Wild Wing where we knew we would have multiple TVs going, which was also fun because you saw the other hockey games, yeah. and we'll talk about that in a minute. Including but, that poor guy at the end of the bar wearing a Matthew Barzal jersey. And oh yeah, that guy I was mean, big time yeah. Islanders fan. Yeah, um, but in 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 watching that game together, you and I had. Um, you know, the same reaction at times. And, and in full disclosure, I think we were probably paying more attention to what the Nuggets were doing than necessarily the abs, but they were side by side. Yeah. They're literally side by side on the um, TVs. On the, on the TVs. The, the, I, I never felt like even when they gave up a goal and suddenly it's tied, I just kind of went, okay, like there's, you know, there's, there's 13 minutes to go in the second period. I'm really not all that worried yet. Right. Um, and that's the spoiled mentality I think I have with this team right now. I've made this comparison numerous times. You've heard me talk about this before. My time in San Antonio um, and, and the years of covering the Spurs when they were winning championships. And those of you that are familiar with the NBA know that every year San Antonio takes um, what is referred to as the rodeo road trip. And it is because the San Antonio rodeo takes over the arena. Um for a period of about 12 days. Yeah, it's about two weeks. It's, right. a, it's a massive event in San Antonio. It's a really big deal. It's a very big moneymaker and all those kinds of things. But what happens is the Spurs, every February, go on an extended road trip. Um, and it usually built into that is the All-Star break. So that's part of how they make it work. But the Spurs will wind up going and playing sometimes seven or eight road games in a row. And... In San Antonio, amongst the fans, they're so spoiled. They were spoiled. They aren't anymore, but they well, were spoiled. Excited now. Went by yeah. debuts tonight. So, yeah. Um, that Spurs fans, like, Spurs fans didn't care, <laughs> basically, until two things happened on the calendar. Uh, the Cowboys season was over because the Cowboys ruled Texas. And the Spurs did the rodeo road trip. That was when the fans would start to get into it because now it was getting closer to playoff time. Because they were just it used, it was sure. just a given. And, you know, I, I don't have that quite that same mentality about the NHL. Um, I do wonder about that sometimes if if we run the risk of some complacency with this Nuggets team. I hope that isn't the case. Um, but I found, I found myself last night never worrying and the thought that went through my head was this is the same kind of feeling I used to have in San Antonio about Tim, Manu, and Tony yeah. preparing for the playoffs. I, the, the point you're making is good because I do think when you're looking at the the avalanche, the let's face it, the, the assumption is the playoffs are given. Yes. That they will make the playoffs. The question is whether they will, they'll win the oh, division I th- again. I think it's one more than that. I, I think a top three seed is an assumption right yeah. now. And, and it feels like it. And I guess we look at it and we talk about their shots. The Avalanche lead the NHL in shots per game, 37.3. They, they're number one on that list. The number two team on that list, curiously, at 35 per game, is the team they play on Thursday, the Penguins. Uh, not as dangerous a team because even though they put up all the shots, they're two and four. Uh, the Avs, uh, unbeaten at six and oh, by the way, that's their uh, second best start in franchise history. And that includes really tied for the best since moving to Denver. The 2013-2014 season did that. Along with that, Alexander Georgiev, goaltender in all those, six and oh. Now the best start for an avalanche goaltender in history. But the last two, and I, uh, let's look at Georgiev for a minute, Nate, because the last two Georgiev, I think, has at times looked 
if not wobbly, certainly not the guy he looked like in the first couple. Now, obviously, I don't think there's an, a, an epic amount of fatigue six games in, but it definitely feels like Thursday might be the time to take a look at backup goaltender Ivan Ostatov. Yes, yes. I, I, I think it absolutely is um, for, a, for a couple of reasons. One, um, I never want to, I, I never want to quote unquote forfeit an opportunity for points. Right. And they have looked, they have, they have, they set a record. They beat Buffalo's old record. They're now 15 straight games on the road. That's a new NHL record. You'd love to keep that going at the same time. They're not out there to set sort of no. oddball records and, like that. And I think part of why I'd be okay with it for, for tomorrow night against the pens is one, if you're talking about trying to see what you have from a backup standpoint, do it against a team that's known for peppering the net. And the penguins. An interesting perspective. So you, the, you'd want him to see more pucks. I, I kind of want to see what happens when you're going up okay. against a team. I, I, I think I might want to see that. I might want to see how a goaltender reacts to that. The second one is if I'm going to even remotely, if it's even remotely in my mind that I'm sort of punting a game, I'll do it on the road against the Eastern Conference. Yeah, non-conference opponents. Right. right. I'll do it outside my division. And not only that, I'll do it outside my conference. I will do it against a team that I do not have to be concerned about any form of a tiebreaker. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, it, and I know it, it, that seems so weird to say when we're talking about a game that's going to be played on October 26th, right? Mm-hmm. That I'm already thinking about these things. But, but you should. But you should because right. I, I've, I've been saying this for a month. The division that the Avalanche are in is crazy. Look at how tight it was at the end of last year. It's nuts. Yeah. And that's why that. these this that's why this start that they've had makes me so happy. Yeah. Because I know I just I am convinced Sean that by the time we get to April we are going to look back and go thank God they started 6 and 0. Oh, I think it's going to be close. I think Dallas is really, really good. Uh, there's a lot of power in the Western Conference. It's going to be a game where, yeah, this is going to be one to a certain extent on the margins. You're going to look at some of these games. Uh, one of these teams is going to look at a game they dropped against somebody bad in the East that they shouldn't have lost to and, and then think, oh, wow, that was two points that we gave away. Now, over 82 games, that's going to happen with everybody. But I do think in this case, you just want to make sure the Avs' expectations or at least aspirations are to win the Cup again. Yeah, And it very much looks like they have the horses to do it in the early going. But you need the goalie to be hot, too, because otherwise you run the risk of running into another team with a hot goalie. And we know how that all works out in the NHL playoffs. So keeping your gear fresh is really important. And I think you're going to need to see backup goaltenders uh, start at least at least 25 games. And I'd almost like it to be closer to as close to 30 as you can get it for the abs and they don't know if they have that yet used to is now back with the, the eagles where he needs to play uh, almost every night he needs to be the starter there uh prosvatov is a, a lanky skinny guy but has the ability to move the abs don't really know and i think you need to try him early and maybe it, it does dovetail with your point i had really thought of it that way but i'd like to see him early a few times because the abs do need to find out is this your backup if it isn't do you need to go get someone in the trade market because you are this close to winning the cup again and you don't want to have it go by the wayside because you weren't aggressive in going and getting the backup goal team you need. and i think that's actually what's most important to me Find out here, like between if now. He's the guy. Great. I'm I'm going to arbitrarily pick numbers, and I'm I'm obviously going to know that the people associated with the organization are far smarter than I will ever be. But I'm going to arbitrarily say, 
I, I, I want to be able to know in the first 60 days of the season if I have the answer that I'm going to need. So one, I would love to see him start tomorrow for that reason. And if it's not tomorrow, maybe it's the next one, right? I mean, I, I get it. Maybe, maybe in Bednar's mind, he'd rather use him for a home game and, and ease him in. Maybe my concept of going up against a Penguins team that's going to pepper him with shots is not a yeah. good idea. He may have, and again, like I said, Bednar, Bednar's got more hockey knowledge in his right earlobe than I do in my entire yeah, body. This isn't the Rockies we're talking about where you and I actually might yeah, we, be able to We actually might be able to right. do, do better. The Avalanche provably, uh, provenly that they understand um, what they're doing. But the... But but the other thing I think, Sean, is um, in the same way that I just brought up the fact that, you know, this 6-0 and start, these points, all of this could prove to be extremely valuable come April um, when you're trying to battle for divisional position and seeding in the, in the postseason. I also think it's important to recognize that here at the beginning of the season, you would expect that Georgiev has a full tank to work with. Right, meaning yeah. a full tank of energy because you're coming off the off season, and they, and they have not played on back to back nights yet. They have not done that yet. They have they have um, twelve of them. No, wait, I'm sorry. The Nuggets have twelve of them. I can't remember how many back to backs the Avs have, but I know the Nuggets have twelve. Um, so we'll have to look that up. But anyway, uh, I digress. It, the other thing to me is you can. I think you can you can benefit that gas tank that I'm talking about with Georgiev by not letting it start to dip down too early to where you, you don't want to get to the point where he needs two games off in a row in order to recharge. Right. So mm. sneak. Okay. We've got six games down. Maybe he plays again tomorrow. Maybe he doesn't, but maybe it's the final game of this road trip which is Sunday against Buffalo, which yeah. is against the, the Sabres. Way, the first back-to-back night for the abs is all the way in November 24th and 25th. So it's it's uh, it, it's right there at uh, Thanksgiving time. Yeah, but I mean, okay. they have a full month where no back to backs. Yeah, I just I, it's I, luxurious. I love I, folks. You have to understand. I I try not to get too geeked about schedule releases, right? Like I think it's overblown in the NFL, things like that. But when the AB schedule came out, I could not possibly have been happier. I could not possibly have been happier with the way their schedule came out. I love the fact that they play six of their first eight on the road. I love it. I and like then we're too. And then we're getting the Especially results that we, we want to. All these, these new guys, remember out of, the, yes. out of the front, out of the 12 forwards, six of them are new to the team. Yes. And actually, you know, when you look at the beginning, asked about that, uh, we had Kitty Goss from the Avalanche broadcast on a little earlier. And, and uh, she asked about uh, specifically for these guys with all those new faces is being on the road better. And they said, yes, absolutely. You're able to bond better because no one's going home to their so, place. You're all going back to the hotel. Yeah, it's and, easier to get to all, all be on the same page when you start on the road with the new guys. And I want to go back to that analogy that I used about the Spurs and their rodeo road trip. The Spurs have talked about that for years that that road trip of sort of bonding you two weeks you're sticking together that they had and that bonding was happening 60 days before the playoffs so they were coming together at exactly the right time as well and spending that extra time with each other um and so the spurs have talked about that they've talked about that as annoying as it is to go on the road and play all of those games and be away from home and be away from the at&t center in san antonio 
that it also played in for them. I think that same thing, to your point, is happening right now with this Avs team with all of these new faces and all of these um, uh, uh, you know, new line combinations. Uh, yeah, Bednar's just, been juggling line combinations in-game. He has. Around. He has. Um, yeah, I know one of the national broadcasts, they kind of made fun of him about it. <laughs> they said, well, that test is over. Yeah, well, you're 6-0. Uh, <laughs> and oh, uh, So far, it's working. You know, uh, the, 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 the also, uh, one of the reasons we were watching last night, too, is because ESPN tried its, it debuted its Frozen Frenzy. Now, Loved it. Of course, that's in concert with the NHL that scheduled every single team to play last night. And they basically tried to do an NFL red zone type of thing. Yes. My worry about it is that hockey doesn't have as many stoppages in the end you know you can all talk about how we love football but uh you know i think someone actually did the study that an actual football game takes about 22 minutes of action in the three hours in which you're watching it a hockey not so much and so i did wonder if it was going to translate and there certainly is a difference but uh, the way they staggered the starts uh, i know you were a big fan of it and think that you know maybe a couple times a year this should be something the nhl should build and market Oh, without a doubt. I, I, I think it should be days that they look forward to. Now, I will tell them, if given my druthers, I wouldn't have done it on the NBA's yeah, opening open night. It. I might not have picked that one. I, I, I probably wouldn't have picked the NBA's opening night. Um, that, to me, didn't make sense. Um, however, I get it. Um, it's also something, like, if you if you look at consistently what the NHL has done, Sean, they typically have... 12 plus games on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. That tends to be including matinees. Yes. yes. It, those are games that like the earliest one usually is right around 11 a.m. Mountain time mm-hmm. is when they start. And then they go all the way through the evening. There's usually at least one or two Western. I don't say West coast. I say Western time zones, right. if you will, because sometimes we need to be talking about Calgary or Vancouver or things like that. Um, but it, it, and it winds up carrying. So you wind up with, the same, you know, you wind up with a 12-hour run of hockey without it having to be all 16. I thought it was kind of fun that they had all 16. Um, but coming up in a week or two, they've got a Saturday where fifteen, where 30 of the 32 play. Um, there's also a couple more Saturdays coming where there's 12 games, 11 games, 13 games, things like that where you've got a packed schedule. Uh, and if you're a hockey fan, that's a ton of fun. It feels like the gravity, now that hockey's, the NHL is back with ESPN, it feels like there is some gravity here between the two partners of getting to the point where ESPN and the NHL may just say, hey, look, uh, we just have it. If you have your ESPN Plus, uh, uh, we just have all the hockey games. Basically, just equivalent of your Sunday ticket that ESPN would just have for their Plus subscribers. It feels like that's kind of coming, and it feels like what we saw last night might have been the tease into it. Because if you're the NHL, uh, you don't mind. It's not an easy saleable product. They do have their NHL center ice. It generally doesn't make a huge dent. So why not partner with a company that's good at doing this and then have them promote it as their own thing? It makes a lot of sense to me. It does, and you also get, if you're the NHL, you get the added benefit and I don't mean to disparage NBC by any stretch, but you get the added benefit of um, ESPN puts a lot of effort into production value. Um, frankly, so does TNT. So does Turner. Mm-hmm. Um, and But in particular, ESPN does because of all of the resources that they have. At and their they disposal. are an all sports network. This right. is what they do. It's all they do. And, you know, so th- I think that the, the league is going to benefit from that. It is always going to it, it is always going to be in fourth place in the United States. 
Um, it, I, I don't think that's going to change. And accepting change. that's part of the equation. I think that's Correct. why some of this makes sense. You're like, okay, well, work with what you've lean, got. Lean into what you have with a recognition that it is not going to propel you to the head of the class. It's just not. But the fact that you're getting a lot of the same love out of ESPN that the NBA and the NFL and college football are receiving um i think is a big, I, I i think is a big deal i think it's a big deal for the league i still think the nhl misses the boat on a lot of things um and in particular how they market themselves and how they market their players however to the point that you just made a second ago it is a step in the right direction they're at least moving forward they might not be moving leaps and bounds forward right. but it's something and to your point that the difference of it that makes a lot of sense look they're not they're not great at some of those promotions well you know who is espn espn is you're very basically, good basically yeah. you can, you're outsourcing I mean, that you're well, outsourcing your league's promotion in, in to my a place that knows what they're doing with in it. my opinion the greatest company on earth when it comes to marketing is disney well, um nobody does it better than disney. espn as of today exactly maybe spinning it off but nevertheless. Um, nobody nobody markets better than the walt disney company um and therefore espn benefits from that so does a lot of the other um you know things that now fall underneath um disney's umbrella by the way as a note uh if i'm not mistaken the next time that all 16 nhl teams will play on the same day is the um, Saturday of what will be Wild Card Weekend for the NFL? I think it's the second. <laughs> I think it's the second Saturday Not in ideal, January. But okay. Um, but as I said, Saturdays tend to have at least a dozen games mm-hmm. already, so you sort of get that same feel, even if it's not the quote-unquote frenzy that they did last night. Yeah, the Avalanche will be back in action uh, tomorrow when they take on the, the Pittsburgh Penguins on the road, and then they are not part of that big schedule on Saturday. Sid they the are not going kid. on Sunday. Yeah, not anymore. Uh, <laughs> they will be going on Sunday to finish that road trip uh, in Buffalo against a very intriguing Buffalo Sabres team. Love that team. Buffalo team. So those will be fun. Uh, I was talking with Danny. Altitude Television. I was talking with Danny Bailey yesterday about mm-hmm. that Buffalo team, and I I stand by this. Son of a bitch, they're fun to watch. Got to wait, wait. The talent's percolating. You got it. You got to wait. This is a young team. This is a young but that's team. That's a fun test for the Avs because those young teams aren't afraid to just throw everything at you. It's house money for them. So they are. This will be a good end of the road trip for the Avs. If you have not been paying attention, they are a fun team to watch. Um, like I said, there's some very good young talent on that team. One of my favorites is Tage Thompson, um, and I mean. Man, they're fun. They just they are they are really a fun team to be able to watch. Um, they picked up a big win last night um, on the road against Ottawa, um, but this Buffalo team is going to be fun to watch. Um, and they've got guys that you may not know the names right now, um, but I think that ultimately you will if they can somehow kind of hold these guys together, keep a little bit of a core going, bring in a couple of veterans here and there. This Buffalo team is going to be a lot of fun. Avs back in action on a Thursday. We'll talk about that. But, of course, the Denver Nuggets raised their banner to the rafters at Ball Arena, the champions, back in action, and they made a statement. Nate Lundy's going to stick with us for the rest of the hour right here. We'll talk more about the Nuggets and Miley Sports next. Yo, yo, yo. On behalf of my teammates, uh, my training staff, my coaching staff, uh, the management and Cronky Sports, we just want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts for uh, experiencing this journey with us.
It's only right since last season ended in Denver. Only makes sense that this season starts in Denver too, baby. So thank you for coming out and supporting tonight and all season long on our road to repeat. Peace. That is the voice of Aaron Gordon talking to the crowd after the uh, Nuggets received their rings. Uh, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray uh, do enough of the talking. And uh, Aaron Gordon seems to have kind of found his zen in Denver here. And uh, it was obviously a fun moment as the Nuggets get their uh, banner raised to the rafters. And it also comes out of the side of their championship rings. Nate, that's fancy. Yeah, it's like a drawer. It's like you're gonna yeah, drawer. like it's like you're gonna keep your kitchen. Don't pull it with your finger in it though, because yeah. then it kind of looked like a cigar cut. Don't want that. Yeah, it, it's kind of like it off and then you pull can, the drawer out. You can store your uh, uh, kitchen utensils in it. Apparently. Very tiny sporks. That's about it. But uh, That's really, very, all you need is yeah. this good. The only thing the world needs is a good spork. Very fancy uh, rings, obviously. You know, you see those. They have a, a little nods to the team history back the little banner that uh, f- switch that you flip from 67 to to uh, last year and then it'll change the colors from the the diamonds to the blue and a whole bunch of stuff going on uh, on a really very fancy rings that everybody seemed to enjoy uh, getting what i think they enjoyed even more at least the fans that night was watching the Who's lakers get yeah can you believe that caught by the way <laughs> on mike is uh, jamal murray at one point uh, we don't have a jamal murray uh after the chant starts kind of making a face and looking over as he's about to, to sub in and then shouting over to Michael Malone going like, you started this, look what you did. Now we have to deal with this. And, uh, and Malone leans over to him and says, like, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. Uh, it was not. It wasn't. It was Vic. <laughs> it was our friend Vic Lombardi. Lombardi's the reason it happened. Who I started wish people it. understood that. It's Lombardi's yeah. fault. Yeah, Michael Malone didn't say it. Nobody on the Nuggets said it. In fact, even the the last way, night fully, caught on Mike. Both Malone and Murray are kind of like, Ugh. And Vic has fully admitted that it was his fault. Yeah. Well, it's mean, no secret. He's the only Pat, person that said Pat, it. Pat, Pat McAfee featured the clip. Right. On his show. I mean, Vic fully accepts the fact that it's it's not Malone didn't do it. Vic no. did. Yeah, Malone didn't do it it's at all. Vic's Malone did fault. have to take the L on the way out, though, which the Lakers did yes. again yes. after losing by 12. The Lakers, it seemed like they could get close in this game when the Nuggets bench was out there. But when the Nuggets starters, and it was sort of a weird game, all 10 starters were in double figures last night. All right. 10. Right. And at the same time, when it, it, it would... It, the Lakers could reel them back in when the bench came along. The Nuggets starting five came back out, and all of a sudden the lead's back up to double digits. The It's one game in. I get it. Uh, the Nuggets have now beaten the Lakers, you know, five straight notably. But I think when you look at two players in particular, when you look at LeBron James' frustration, LeBron James kind of left the court in a huff. Remember at the beginning of the game, mm-hmm. before he even started, he stood out at the Nuggets center court and, you know, sort of mimed putting a crown back on his head. Uh, after the game, as Nikola Jokic was taking a step over to shake hands, because that's what he does. Remember, he did that before even celebrating the title with his team. He went up and shook hands with all the, the Heat players. But he went to go reach, uh, go find LeBron. LeBron has already turned his back and headed out. And you can see Jokic kind of have a submissive wave like, okay, well, see you later, man. And I think in part, LeBron James, who, who played well, Anthony Davis, who did not, uh, he spoke about Charles Barkley. Barkley correctly pointed out and said, if you can't, can't score in a half, which Davis did not do in the second half, then don't tell me you're a star. But more than that, every time Nikola Jokic was being guarded by Anthony Davis, by the way, a former defensive player of the year winner, 
You could see his eyes get as big as saucers because it, you could tell Davis wants no part of having to guard Jokic one-on-one. None. And he looks almost panicked when he is. And Jokic seems to be more than happy. He's like, well, I'll either fade this way, fade this way, do the little uh, Sombor shuffle, flip back. I don't know, maybe drill a three in his face like he did in the playoffs. Or for whatever reason with Davis, who's perfectly built to withstand it, just back him all the way down to the basket. And Davis doesn't seem to Yeah, he bodies him up. Bow and then, up. And then the other thing that, that, um, that Nicola does is he waits for them to double or in a couple of cases triple team <laughs> yep that happened last night and then you've got the best passing big man in the game ever who's finding somebody who's wide open um i mean he's just Jokic is an intelligent player period he gets it well let's see there's three people on me so, that means hmm. there's only two guarding the other my- four right i mean it's yeah. like it's it's simple math it, it just is. But it does require selflessness, and it requires sure the ability to pass at odd angles, which he does. But it, it ends up being, uh, I, I just look at it, and I look at LeBron leaving, and I'm just, I'm, I'm guessing. But LeBron James, now the oldest player in the league, and give him credit, uh, I cannot imagine in the history of the NBA, or in any league ever, the oldest player in the league is still a top 15 guy in the league. I can't even oh, envision that even ever happening. Yeah, nobody's sitting back talking about Morton Anderson being the best in the NFL, right? When he was yeah. when he was out there kicking at age 49. Exactly. So uh, credit LeBron. But I think he understands he's in the Western Conference. He has to get through the Nuggets. This team, his Lakers team, as currently comprised, cannot beat this Nuggets team as currently comprised four out of seven times. And I think LeBron James knows it. And I think that had resulted in the frustration yeah, of him I, storming off the court. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and it was just, look, as, as a Nuggets fan, it was fun to watch. It was fun to keep an eye on, on social media and what people were saying. And, you know, Nuggets fans are all up in their feels right now in a good way. Sure. They're all up in their feels. And they should enjoy that. Um you know, I'm, I kind of have a feeling about this team that I do every year when we get ready for Broncos training camp. And that is, I always get ready for Broncos training camp with an assumption that someone of significant stature is going to get hurt. It just happens. Usually multiple someones. And yeah. frequently it's multiple, but there's always somebody. This year it was Tim Patrick, right? I mean, it's always somebody. It's always somebody that's going to get hurt. Um, and when you go through the NBA... Obviously, it's not the same contact that football is by any stretch, but you're but you are looking at that. You are looking at okay. At some point, somebody's going to miss a handful of games. Could be two or three because they rolled their ankle funny on a rebound. Could be more than that, but eventually, it's going to happen. So enjoy the feels while you can, because there probably is going to at some point be a time where you get frustrated as a fan. So you might as well accept it now, right? Yeah, this and I, that's one of the things. I'm glad. I'm glad you brought that up. I talked about this a little bit with with Sandy yesterday. That things change when you win your first title, and the expectations change. And I think there is a concern that, that with Nuggets fans that understand. Yes, uh, are the Nuggets capable of winning the championship? They most certainly are. And the Avalanche were a, a year prior too, but it, it it didn't happen. Injuries, some weird circumstances in Seattle. That that's the way it goes too. The Nuggets also had the shortest offseason of any team in the league. That leads to fatigue. Uh, there's concern you have two guys, uh, specifically Michael Porter Jr., to a lesser extent, I think Jamal Murray, that have of late in their career, at least, had injury issues. And to assume that nothing is going to happen and everyone's going to go through all 82 games and a playoffs completely healthy probably isn't realistic. And even if they do, 
there are the maybe the Lakers, maybe the Warriors. We'll get to them. They played last night. Maybe the Suns, who looked pretty good, even despite not having Bradley Beal. And, of course, on the other side, you have the Celtics and the Bucks. The Nuggets failing to win the title does not make a bad season. And, it, and if that's the way you approach things, I don't envy your enjoyment of sports as a fan because you're going to miss out on stuff that's pretty special. Oh, you're going to miss out on things constantly um, if that's your view of sports. Um, and that's, you know, unfortunate. But there's a lot of people that think that way. So, you know, you and I, you and I are just used to it. Calvin Booth isn't even thinking that way. In, in his interview with The Ringer, that of course he had to walk back some of it, uh, he pointed out that it's, he understood how difficult it is to, to win back-to-back. And he wasn't even really focusing on winning back-to-back. The idea was more looking at what the Warriors have done teams of late. It's like, look, if we have a, a championship window with all these guys under contract. We'd like to win some during that span. They don't have to be back-to-back. That's not really the point. And I, I think for, for Nuggets fans, that's something you'll have to look at. This is a team's capable of winning it all, but uh, it's, it's hard to do. It's really hard to win multiple titles at all, let alone uh, two in a row. And for the Nuggets who have been in action, I know that the NBA likes to only count out the numbers of years they've been in the NBA when they talk about their title. The numbers for, for the, the Nuggets, they started in 1968. They've won one, folks. Okay, so let's, let's you know, fit, let me do the quick math. 55 years? Don't freak out if they don't win the second in the very next year. They, will, they could still be a fantastic team, but it doesn't mean you win the title. The, the Patriots went unbeaten. What happens to the Super Bowl? Lose. I mean, these things happen all the time. It doesn't mean the season was a failure, but it's certainly off to a phenomenal start. Nikola Jokic with another triple-double uh, kind of does that effortlessly now almost. It's, it's, it's almost comical. It's more of a deciding whether he wants to or not. Over in Las Vegas at, at betmgm.com, 90 Nine percent of the bets on will Nikola Jokic get a triple double, yes or no? We're on yes. Ninety nine percent of the betters, which means uh, enjoy those odds you got. They won't be coming back anytime soon. No, and we see that a lot, um, especially with his triple double numbers. And you see that a lot in the NFL, uh, in the NBA. You're, you're going to see um, the um, you're going to see the movement of lines like that. It, it's it, it didn't happen this baseball season, but last year in the summer of 2022, you saw that with Aaron Judge with his home run number. So frequently, you know, even a guy that's on a tear, you'll see a home run prop at a, I don't know, plus 155, plus 145. And Aaron Judge was getting home run props at plus 100, just flat numbers. Yep. And last season, we saw that quite a few times with Nikola Jokic, where his triple-double number came down to even more. There were even a couple times uh, we had it, you know, obviously you, you, you host you bet tonight, I did that a couple times as well, and uh, there were a few times I remember them being at even even minus, minus 105s, mm-hmm. uh, to, to get triple-doubles. I mean, that's how crazy it is. 106 now in his career, he's one behind LeBron James, uh, and Jason Kidd, for tied for fourth all-time. He is uh, now ahead of Wilt Chamberlain, who's the next guy behind him, uh, and of course, the Hard to Jokic, the best center, by 28 triple doubles. The only guys ahead of that, the next time, next time Nikola Jokic gets a triple double, will be Russell Westbrook, Oscar Robertson, and Magic Johnson. Um, they were all point guards. Mm-hmm. What, what Jokic is doing is entirely unprecedented. And again, watching it last night against a Lakers team that will probably win a lot of games because Anthony Davis and LeBron James can still win you some games. And even with a game like Davis had, where he just kind of vanished in the second half, Jokic and company make their starters just look mm-hmm. 
all but ineffective. It was sort of shocking to see how ineffective they were against the Nuggets starting five. The bench unit still has questions. Uh, Reggie Jackson with a nice game off the bench, uh, three three boards and, and eight assists. We know the Nuggets starting five is as good as they get, but it's the bench that I look at early on. How are they going to go ahead and can they cobble that together? There isn't a Bruce Brown. And I don't know how that's going to be a work in progress. And I think early in the season, don't be surprised if it costs the Nuggets a game it, here or there. It will. It'll cost them a couple. Um I also know that I, I think I'm kind of in the minority with this particular opinion. Um, I actually think this is it for LeBron. I think this is his final season. I would not be shocked. I just, and, and, and I'm basing that entirely just on gut feel. I think this is it. I think he's done after this well, year. Well, if that's the case, that would even more explain the frustration again of him. He, he, look, he knows basketball. He knows he, beating Nuttigas four out of seven times is going to be I think probably he, mountain too tall to I climb. think he... And, and look, I, I also believe that LeBron has a lot of off-court aspirations and goals. Already lots of businesses and already. he's already doing a lot of it. Um, and I think he knows that he can be successful um, and that he can enjoy that ride. Um, and I believe, I, I think, that I, I just, I think this is it. And like I said, I'm basing that on nothing more than just my gut. But I think this is it. I think he's done after this season. Um, and then that's going to send the Lakers, you know, who knows what direction. Um, but, you know, I think maybe maybe that's part of the frustration. Maybe he's, you know, I mean, he's, he's tired of losing to the Nuggets. Well, you know what? For years, the Nuggets were tired of losing to the Lakers. So, oh, my gosh. I mean, it's easy to, to forget. And, I mean, I was, I was rather young. But I remember as, as a kid, one of my, my early memories, the Nuggets seemed to be very good. Alex English, they had Dennis, or they had at times they had Kiki Vandaway. And they looked like a team that would win. You know, T.R. Dunn is there. But they had guys left and right. And they would right up until they ran into the Showtime Lakers, an well, all-time great NBA and I, dynasty. And I grew up in, them out in multiple years. I grew up in Oregon and I was working in radio in Portland when the Blazers had Clyde and Ter- Terry Porter right. and they had Pippen Cliff Robinson. and they had <laughs> Robinson and they had Rasheed Wallace. Like they had built themselves a pretty damn good team to try to get past the Lakers and they still couldn't do it. So it's just, you know, it, it's, it's one of those, it, it, you know what? It, it's the same thing this weekend. Ask, Chiefs fans, how tired they were of losing to the Broncos for two oh. decades of just getting absolutely beaten down by Elway and getting beaten down by, by Peyton and everybody in between Yeah, because they weren't any good. Now they got themselves a Hall of Fame coach, a Hall of Fame quarterback, and they have exactly what they need. And you know what? The Broncos are sick of losing to them. Well, sometimes you gotta, <laughs> sometimes you got to feel like you got to feel like the opponent, right? Sometimes you got to go through the crap that they went through. And this right now is Denver's turn to go through the crap. Now, it's really ugly. It, it is. I would love it to be more competitive, but it's not. And sometimes you got to deal with that. And right now the Lakers are feeling what Nuggets fans have felt for a long yeah, time. Yeah, it's, it's close, but not close enough. So exciting, exciting start for the Nuggets, of course. Uh, I actually thought the Lakers would be a, a better match, and they certainly weren't. The Nuggets seem to dispatch them with relative ease. Interesting game coming up for them on Friday. They will take on the Memphis Grizzlies, kind of a, a sleeper team. You're wondering what they're going to look like. You know, John Morant obviously suspended for a lot of the uh, the year, but they added Marcus Smart, who seems to be like it'd be a good mix. I, I think the Grizzlies are one of those sort of X-factor teams in the West that, that could find themselves, if they 
stay afloat long enough and Morant comes back and can keep himself on the court, uh, they're one of the teams that I think are dangerous. So early tests for the Nuggets will be interesting. And basketball season's underway. Uh, hockey is underway. Of course, we know football is underway. So why bet with the big boys? I mean, everybody does that. Instead, try your hand with the local book. That's Superbook Sports. Give them a shot this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure that you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day using the promo code MILEHIGH. That one's, you know, easy. You're here already. So bet with the best. And use promo code MILEHIGH this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Well, funny you mentioned the Broncos run against the Chiefs, Nate, because uh, it's going to be cold, maybe even snowy, but the Chiefs are coming into town. Is that uh, an equalizer? To an extent, is it enough of one? Uh, We'll talk about it next on Mile High Sports. On Sunday, the Denver Broncos try to avoid losing to the Kansas City Chiefs for, uh, I'm not, this is not a typo, 17 straight games. It has been the sweet 16 for the Chiefs who have basically put it on cruise control and and, and Nate sticks with us for another segment here. The 19 to 8 loss for the Broncos in which I think some Broncos fans and Sean Payton himself said he was encouraged, not discouraged by the loss. The problem, Nate, is for lack of a better term in that game, I thought the Chiefs were playing with their food. I mean, we're talking about fake plays on special teams, reverses, RPOs to Kadarius, Tony. It was almost as if the Chiefs realized this is sort of a scrimmage. We can use this game to put some film on stuff for other teams. For the Broncos, I guess at this point, knowing that the playoffs uh, are are a long-distant dream for the Broncos, what outcome would make a difference for the Broncos in either direction. What, what, does a close loss make a difference? Does a blowout loss uh, change the way we think about this team? Does a close win finally breaking the streak change the way about this team? I mean, what outcome could actually matter where we're talking about it and say the Broncos have turned a corner either for good or for ill? Actually, I, I'll be honest with you. To me, the outcome, this is going to sound so defeatist, but it's true. The outcome for me is I don't want anybody that has potential trade value to get hurt. <laughs> That's, I'm dead serious. No, not wrong. Oh, that's, my that's what I want. There are five, maybe six guys that could have trade value. And by six o'clock Sunday evening in the cold, uh, because the original forecasted high temperature was 38, it's now down to 30, by the way. That's happened over the course of the last two or three days. Um, is... Anybody that could potentially have trade value better not be hurt because then you're host. If you think you're going to pull something off before Tuesday's deadline, then you can't have anybody get hurt. Like, I'll be honest with you, if the Broncos are going to do a trade, I really hope it happens between now and Saturday because yeah, I would rather... It's, it's probably it's, not going to happen, but if I it's, point. If it's Pat Sertan... I would rather have it happen before the game so that you do not run the risk that he goes up to try to intercept a pass and comes down and lands funny on some dude's foot and gives himself a high ankle sprain. And now somebody that would want to trade for him because they want to use him for a playoff run can't use him because he's flipping hurt. 
That's it, what I want to be able it's to almost see. Like you see when we see in baseball or, or, or basketball where a, a guy is out of the lineup for a day and you're like, hmm, why is that? It's because you know a, a trade is coming. Uh, Albert Breer covers the uh, NFL for Sports Illustrated. Basically said, here's the guys that the Broncos are, uh, you can get into the semantics yourself, shopping or listening to offers on or whatever. In other words, here's the guys that are available. Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Justin Simmons, Pat Sertan, Garrett Bowles, Josie Jewell. What flipping value does Bowles have? I'm being dead serious. I, I'm trying to figure out who would trade for Garrett Bowles. Now he's, he, he, yeah, I, I don't. I'm not seeing Nobody it, is going to want Garrett Bowles with what's left of the contract that he did. Nobody. He's not. He, he'd give you some depth on your offensive line. But he's not. <laughs> yeah, I can't envision it either. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, he's not somebody that's going to go start somewhere else the unless it's a crappy team. We'll let it known to certain reporters that, uh, well, we'd probably listen to uh, offers on Garrett Bowles. Well, yeah, I bet you would. Uh, you know, he's still got a pretty big year on his uh, contract he's next season. He's a $20 season. million dollar cap yeah. hit next year. Right. And There's now you're dealing nobody and, that's going to take This is part of the, the challenge. I mean, Bowles, okay, uh, Bowles is, I think, a league average to slightly better than average. Guy yes. that's making twenty million a year. This is arguably the same thing that Cortland Sutton is makes a little less than twenty, makes roughly seventeen. League average to slightly better than average receiver. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Judy said the wheels have come off, and with the money that he's due on his fifth year option, uh, you're going to have to find somebody pretty desperate to even get a pick, probably higher than a than a fifth. Quite frankly, on Judy, the only two guys on this team that are actually worth value. I don't know. Someone could trade for Josie Jewell, I get. I guess for some set day two pick, I suppose. And if you're the Broncos, why not? But the only two guys that can get you picks in the first two rounds are Justin Simmons and Pat Sertan. That's it. Those are the only two guys. The Broncos, Nate, as it stands, when you're talking about rebuilds, which the Broncos are not entirely sure they're in yet, but they are only have two picks in the first four rounds of next spring's draft as it stands right now. They are woefully short of talent. They are even more woefully short of picks. And the only way they can get picks is trade, what I would say at this stage, are the best two players on their team. Yeah. And the question is, is that worth it? Well, I, for me, yes. I think it is. And I, I think... I think any trades they can do, I'll be honest, any trades they can do, in my opinion, are worth it because it it moves you forward. It takes you, like, right now the Broncos are playing a, a board game and they're not doing well, okay? It's Candyland and the yeah. other three pieces on the board are 25 steps ahead of you. You got to do something. Yeah to get off of the piece and or off of the space that you're stuck. I on. mean, I, I've been in the, for months now, really for the season, I, I've been in the free Justin Simmons camp for a while. I, oh the yeah. Boy I'm, guys, all about, nothing, I'm all about, I'm all about Go send him somewhere good. You know, the, the opportunity moving to the Eagles went by the wayside when they, then they picked up a Bayard from the Titans, but there are teams that would take Justin Simmons. Uh, the question is, you're probably not getting more than, than a second. It's not the Simmons isn't really worth it, but age recent injury history is going to make people reticent to give up a first. You probably won't get it unless you have a team that is, right there at the Super Bowl level, like the Eagles, that decide we need a guy that we can plug in and start. You might guy, get a first out of them, but the, it won't be, you know, no, it's not I think, high. I think the only, the only guy that's going to get first is Sertan. The only guy that's getting you first um, is Sertan. 
Um, and I will say in all honesty, I think he's worth two first. And I say that with a straight face. I think he is. Um, can you take Justin Simmons and do a two and a three like you did for Vaughn? Probably. For the right team, I think you probably could. I think you could get a the two three and a three. might be a future one or something, sure. but yes. You might, you, get a, you might get a 2024 two and a 2025 three. But right now, this team desperately needs darts. Yeah. They need picks. They need darts to throw at the board. They don't have enough. They gave up so much for Russ. They're not going to get... And then they gave up more for Sean Payton. Right. They're not going to get what they had hoped for. Now, I look at Sean Payton, in, in, in my mind, I look at it as they traded Bradley Chubb to get Sean Payton. I'll do that all okay. day. I'll that's do, that's do how that. I look at sure. it. That's how I've looked at it from day one. They traded Bradley Chubb to get Sean Payton because the one that they got back, they turned around and turned it in. So that's why I look at it that way. Um, but look, the, this team needs picks, desperately needs picks. And I don't care if they're in 2024 or 2025, add them both. Add as many to 2024 as you can. Right. But as far as I'm concerned, get as many damn picks as you possibly can. You need darts to throw at the board. And you need those low salaries so that if you are playing in the free agent pool, you are doing so from a positive cash standpoint. The potential of Russ's dead money, um, if they cut Garrett Bowles, he's $4 million in dead next year. Yeah. If they were to cut him. Saves you paying him twenty. Well, that's, I think that'll happen too. They'll cut him. They'll eat the four million. Look, folks, this team—it's it, going to get worse before it gets. It better. It has to get worse before it gets better. It has to. That's the problem being in this kind of salary cap league, and it's also the problem of being in the AFC West. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You get stuck in that salary cap world where. You cannot in the NFL, you cannot be mediocre because you're stuck in sort of this limbo. Uh, If you're the Broncos, you can be just good enough to maybe entertain the notion of the playoffs and then never make it. And now your picks are where they are. And maybe you you go ahead and spend a lot of money on a Mike McGlinchey and a Ben Powers that don't make a discernible difference for you. And you can do that over and over again. The Broncos have been going for the quick fix. That's not really going to work. And the problem is for the the long-term fix to work, you have to get bad before you can get good. And the Broncos are generally uncomfortable, which to their credit, they're uncomfortable about getting really bad. But the reality is that's where they've got to get. Depending on the way you look at it, Nate, the bright side is, well, they're sort of getting there whether they want to or not. This team could very easily be 0-7 I'll be, and they're going to lose again on Sunday. Folks, I'll be honest with you. You know what the bright side is? The Avs and Nugs are playing. Yep. That's the bright side. Remember how you used to say it. the Rockies just have to keep things interesting until yes. Broncos season start? Now the Broncos just have to keep things yes. interesting until the Avs and Nuggets start. Yes, that's exactly right. And fans in, in Denver, in Colorado, across the country that love this Broncos team, if you have fandom for the Colorado teams, that is how you have to be looking at it right now. I'm sorry, but it's true. You need to look at it as it's really, really difficult to have all four, let alone three, and sometimes let alone two sure. of the teams in your city be good. Title contenders? Legit? Yeah. Right now, there are two legit title contenders in this city. The one that plays it in power isn't one of them. Deal with it. And just be be ready to celebrate when and re- be ready to enjoy it when it comes back. And don't uh, don't forget, by the way, about the uh, team that plays hockey down uh, 
on University too. The DU Pioneers was in a position to Let's make go it win the Again, we had David Carl on yesterday. If you missed any part of the program, you can always catch it on MyLifeSports.com or you can make things easy for yourself on the MyLifeSports app. Just go get that. You get this program, the interviews, everything for, everything we put on the radio, all the writing, all the great coverage. We had Ryan Blackburn on earlier. Go ahead and give him a follow. You can get uh, his coverage in the Nuggets and the Pickaxe and Roll podcast all right there. Nate, thanks for coming by and sticking around. Happy to do it. Uh, kind of bummed because there's not a lot to bet on tonight, but It'll, it'll be more I fun. We get Thursday in your ability to find a way. Yeah, Russian ping pong. <laughs> There's always something. We'll be back in about, oh, 22 hours or so, but you don't have to leave. For Nate Lundy, I'm Sean Drotar. Danny Bailey's in the booth making everything work. We'll catch you then, but stick around here on Miley Sports.